What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 134, I think. Let me do the math. Yep, 134. We're a little bit late. Better late than never. Uh, we were, you know, we try to come out on Wednesdays, but you know, things happen. So we uh, always try to get it as close as we can. But we are we are coming at you here today on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, some pretty interesting topics. Not just all football today. Although there is a football topic to close out the show. A uh, story that I actually really really like. Um, it's not just about the contract, but about details of it. Uh, we have uh, it's, it's, Rob. I'm not forgetting. I'm just trying to not get too far into it yet. Rob Manfred uh, and his his never-ending quest to just absolutely eviscerate baseball and all it stands for. Um, first, something I know you're going to have probably a lot more to say than I will. This past week, the NCAA lost a court case, which, of course, they tried to fight. Because they don't want to give anybody everything. They want to keep every dime to themselves. Uh, that student athletes are allowed to accept gifts that benefit their education. And the NCAA can't do anything about it. It's a court ruling. I'm sure there'll be appeals and stuff like that. Because they have to pay Nick Saban $10 million a year. So the student athlete gets nothing. I get it. But this is kind of big. This is a step in the right direction of, you know... These kids, no matter what sport, especially college football, I don't think I'm out of line there to say college football is probably by far and away the biggest moneymaker of all the NCAA sports. Uh, would I be wrong on that? No, no, no. no. Okay. I know like March Madness is huge and it's probably a big moneymaker as well, but I, I, I don't think it all around, I'd have to say NCAA football is probably number one. But, you know, I'm not saying they got to give these kids $10 million contracts, but I think it's about time these student-athletes got some rights to not just be able to, I don't know, go out and, and you can't even go out and accept a dinner by, by a local, somebody who owns a local restaurant who might be a fan of the team because that's considered a gift and it's not okay. But I look, I Googled yesterday, top paid NCAA coaches. And I think I had to get really, really far down the list before they stopped being a million plus a year. I think the lowest paid uh, is like 315,000 a year. And that's it's absurd that these kids can't accept a ten dollars steak dinner, uh, but these guys can make what they make, and they're making it on the backs of these players. So I'm fine with not giving them massive multi million dollar contracts. They are college kids, they're for an education as well. But it's about time someone stepped up and said, "Give these kids something. Give them some benefit." So there's a lot for me to say. Um... When when Conchata Carter uh, can't go to the NFL draft uh, by ex- accepting a suit and then just get eviscerated for just accepting a suit so that he can look presentable at the NFL draft because he can't afford it, mm-hmm. there's a problem. And I understand the one side – if NCAA was on the level that you don't want student athletes just going to school to get paid and you don't want them getting millions and millions of dollars, I can understand that argument. But on the flip side, the NCAA is making money hand over fists. Billions. Every event. Billions a year. 
this is why uh, EA Sports stopped making uh, NCAA football a video game because of the likeness of some athletes that may have been in the game and that the players could not profit or benefit from that. And it's just, I think there's a measure of how much a player can make off their likeness, uh, whether it be autographs, uh, trading cards, you know, the new thing coming up is NFTs. I think you can make sure that they're not going crazy and making millions and millions of dollars, but you can give them an opportunity to make somewhat of a living because these student athletes, whatever their major is, it could be basket weaving or phys ed. I I mean, I I know I'm I'm being a little hyperbolic, but you know, not a, 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 insane major but whatever time they have to allocate to school they then have to allocate time to on the field work and then allocate time to off the field work in the classroom for the football team and then that doesn't leave them a whole lot of time to do um a second job or some nighttime job where they can make a few extra dollars. Mm-hmm. Even if they're on scholarship, they still need to make money to, to be able to live and, and enjoy life, not just work, school, uh, football field, gym. You know, it, it's, it's just so they can try to have something for themselves while they're in school. And then let's be honest. There's seven rounds in the draft. There's not not every player is going to get drafted in the NFL. Not every player is going to get an opportunity to play in the NFL. We know the lifespan of an average NFL player is about what three and a half to three years, yeah. maybe less, maybe yeah. a little bit more. But when you top to bottom about that, yeah. I mean, your your outliers are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Well, you can't touch quarterbacks, so they usually have longer careers. Right, right. And then but even even the best wide receivers, Julio Jones, um, Larry Fitzgerald's an outlier. He's not – There's Adrian Peterson's an outlier, Frank Gore, right. guys like that. But, yeah, those are few and far between. You need to give these kids opportunities while they're in college to take advantage of a situation. Now, do you want a situation like where we had Johnny Manziel, who was – very brash about his persona and could that have turned bad uh, sooner for him in the uh, college ranks as it did in the pros, because a lot of stuff happened in the pros that turned out, you know, uh, allegations of drug use, alcohol abuse. And then it turned out he just washed out. And so he was a college student. Okay. He was a college student and he never grew up and, you know, obviously he's turned his life around a little bit. He's not what he used to be. But I would say there needs to be an opportunity. And there needs to be opportunity without the NCAA having their hands in it. Because as I've stated before, they're crooked. Exactly. And they can't be trusted. No. And that that was the entire point why I knew you'd have a lot to say on this. On this one, I saw it. I was like, that's topic number one. 
that's leading the show because we can easily go 20 minutes on that and it'll be good stuff um uh, before i start down my my my, my second part of this uh, when you said basket weaving as a profession, it just made me think of the old Celtics commercial. I think it was for like Fleet Bank with when Antoine Walker was for the for the Celtics, and he said, "My name, I'm employee number eight. I make baskets." Um, she reminded me of that. I don't know if you remember that commercial or not, but uh, maybe that's just, that's just me. Um, <laughs> but no, you're you're 100 right. Like these kids need, you know, and I I understand they're not, you know children i don't mean kids in that context but i call everyone younger my, my sister's like two years younger than me and i still call her kids so it's just how i what how i talk but you know these kids need something and i don't like i said i don't think they should be out making multi-millions of dollars because they're there for an education and that's not the precedent you want to set however when you have like you said the ncaa making billions that's not an exaggeration there's that's a billion plus dollar business every year there is a multitude of coaches when i said the coach is making just you know, you know, I had to go way down the list to get the coaches that weren't making over a million dollars a year. Uh, that was only football. That wasn't including basketball, which I'm sure there's probably a few making that much or, or, or more a year. And these kids got to scrape, try to scrape together enough money if they want to take their girlfriend on a date or, 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 or buy their mom a Mother's Day present, something like that, anything. Uh, buy a six-pack and go have a beer with their dad. Anything. They got to worry about where it's coming from, and if somebody if somebody is nice enough to gift it to them, oh, is this going to be wrong? Am I going to get in trouble for this? Am I going to lose this for that? It's absolutely absurd. And like I said, these schools are making cash hand over fist on the backs of all these kids, and anytime anybody wants to hand anything to them, that hand gets slapped away. No, give it to us. It's us. It's ours. And it, it it's absolute nonsense. And. Another point is, you know, like you said, there's seven rounds in the draft. How many players? Because, look, there was a stretch there where you had, like, your Jamarcus Russells that got huge big money contracts as a number one pick. It isn't that way now. There's a tiered system. And it wasn't always that way before that. There was a time when even the number one pick coming in, I mean, he'd get a four- or five-year deal, but it'd be, you know, maybe eight or nine million. Obviously, they're not starving with eight or nine million. But they didn't see a lot of that money if they washed out. Someone like Kijana Carter, like you said, couldn't even afford a suit to come to the draft. And correct me if I'm wrong, I might be thinking of the wrong player. He didn't exactly have a stellar NFL career. No, he didn't. He, he was a top pick, but he did. He was on the Bengals. Right, so. right. Which is actually the, the essence of my point, which is hell of a player in college. Probably made that school a boatload of money with how he played. And yet he couldn't even get a suit to go to the draft so he could get he could look good going into the next phase of his life. I see absolutely nothing wrong if that school is going to make that much money off of him. For him to be able to monetize his skills to a certain extent in college because nothing's guaranteed in the pros. He lasted a couple of years and he washed out. I have no idea how Mr. Carter's doing. Hopefully he's had a, you know, hopefully he's done well in life and maybe he's done fantastic and he's better off for it. But he had it in college and he couldn't yeah. capitalize on it in any fashion, not even to put clothes on his back, even for a night because of the idiotic NCAA rules. Yeah, I... I, I... I mean, the NCAA is the problem because they want their they want their piece of the pie. And if you think of it, 
the football the football players have an off season just like the basketball players have an off season so there's their opportunity to go to trade shows uh local events to hold for autograph signing picture taking stuff like that where they can just take two three hours of their time on during the off season to make a couple hundred dollars so that that they can get through the fall and winter season and some of these kids don't have parents that are well off so maybe they want to send them a little extra dough to yep help them out am i saying that they need to be have a funnel a ton of money to them no but if there's an opportunity for them to make a little extra money on the side that's legit it can be tracked and can be monitored not by the NCAA. Let me be very clear: not by the NCAA, by by some other body, the government, maybe, or you know. I think what you're suggesting, con- you're not suggesting, you know, go out and make illicit gambling deals. You're saying if you can make money making an appearance, that should be your right to be able to do so. Yes. Yes. Right. I just, I just don't, I don't believe that these kids should not have the opportunity because they should. They should Absolutely. Have an 100%. Yep. They should have had an opportunity long for a long time. And it's put a bunch of people in positions where they have to make a choice. Do they look good for uh, essentially a job interview? Uh, you could look at that, you know, the NFL draft, the NBA draft as a job interview or you know, just hope and pray that their abilities and talents and work ethic get them far enough to where when they get to the point that they can make enough money to help out their family, to put decent clothes on their back. I, I, I just don't think it's a, a huge problem where they can just – someone can monitor to make sure it's it's going the right direction. And if there's – nefarious acts going on if there's gambling debts that are being uh, accumulated because but there's always going to be that no matter where where you go with this because there's already stuff like that going on so get these kids an opportunity to make money and i think i think it's a a good direction and i and i think it's a, a very good court ruling for the ncaa players that the NCAA is not allowed to limit that. I 100% agree. And look, I am not a high caliber businessman. My the extent of my, you know, buying and selling, usually, you know, is is limited to uh, sports cards memorabilia, and to that extent. Um, but the one thing you can say about business is if you don't want to get in trouble with Uncle Sam, because God knows they need their pound of flesh. Uh, you got to have every dime accounted for if you're going to run a business. You got to know where it comes from, where it's going. And the NCAA and all these schools know exactly where the money's coming from and where it's going. And they know what they get, what each school gets because of their individual sports programs. So my suggestion would be you take a percentage of that and you break it down amongst your players. And then you're going to get, of course, the people who say, well, this school is going to get more than that school. Well, boo-hoo, maybe you should have played better. You would have gotten a better school. I don't know what to tell you. Life's not always fair. Look at the news. They're going to tell you everyone gets a participation trophy. That's not how real life works. 
Uh, so, I mean, I would say a percentage breakdown is probably a decent way to do it. That way you're not like, oh, you're a star quarterback. You're making more, and you're an offensive lineman. You're making less. Oh, break it down, percentage, even across the board. I don't care, scholarship, non-scholarship, you all get the same thing. Uh, and then individual appearance money would be different. You know, if Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is a star, and he can get ten grand to go appear at a card show yeah. or something, and it's money that's on the books, good for him. You could also say, hey, uh, you want to make this look good in the public eye, you can make that ten grand, but anything you get, uh, 50% of whatever you may do to that, donate to a local charity. That way it looks great on paper too. It's not just, oh, we're paying these guys. It's, hey, yeah, they're making money, but they're also donating to charity and doing it for a good cause. There's so many ways you could do this and make it work. There's so much money funneled in the NCAA that coaches are making just ridiculous money. And I'm not knocking them either. Like, if I could make that money, I would. I'm not knocking Nick Saban for making $10 million a year or 9.4, whatever. Not in the least. Hey, man, you have a skill. This organization is willing to pay you for your skills. Good for you. But when that same organization tells a kid you can't accept a $25, $30 dinner when you go out because you got the game-winning touchdown and the guy who owns the restaurant is uh, – is you know went to that school as well and he's super happy and wants to say thank you or, or just you know congratulate you you can't accept that gift that's asinine that's beyond asinine and i really hope this is heading in the direction of just knocking all that stupidity off and, and there is the argument a lot of times is about it revolves around one thing recruiting well this is going to influence recruiting because then this local car dealership might talk to the school and say we'll do this for the players and we'll give this promotion for the players and then the school can go on the road and make those pitches well we have all these these businesses lined up where you can go do these appearances and make all this money so if you come to our school you're already going to be set with well you know what i say to that the point you just made not everything's fair right i'm sorry not everything is fair Alabama is probably going to be able to make more cases for players than South Alabama. Now they're in the same state, but Alabama compared to South Alabama, a little bit more prestige with Alabama. You know, if you look at it, Michigan, Michigan state, same thing. There's going to be a difference, difference in uh, ability to, to generate revenue for a player to go to one or the other it's it's unfair so then you have to take advantage of what you can get in that recruiting trail because as you as you pointed out trevor lawrence would for personal appearances would make more than let's say the backup quarterback right okay i'll give you a scenario chris justin fields went to school at georgia who was already there? Jake Fromm. He was a starting quarterback. Justin Fields was a nobody. He was a, I think, about, I believe it was a five-star recruit, but he was a backup quarterback. He's not going to make a lot of money at Georgia. So that's why he transferred to Ohio State. That's where you kind of have to make a decision. Coming out of high school is if there's a, a, a incumbent already there and he's only a redshirt freshman, a redshirt sophomore are you really going to want to go there and diminish your value 
because you know you're a four-star athlete, a five-star athlete, and you think you got the talent and you, you've proved it in high school, but now you got to sit for a year, sit for two years. Or if you're someone behind Trevor Lawrence, you sat for three years. I mean, now you can maybe make a pitch to a player. Well, you can go to Georgia and be the backup quarterback for a year or two and then have to transfer. Or you could be our starting quarterback year one and be the starting quarterback. And then you're, you're out there doing all the promotions. You're out there at the trade shows, the car dealerships, the events, and you're in the limelights. That's the pitch you got to make. And I'm just thinking off the cuff. Right. You got to think these schools are, are professionals at this. They should be able to see, okay, we know what's coming. Let's start making a plan how we're going to pitch this. Because even if you're Alabama and you just keep rotating quarterbacks out like they're candy, I mean, eventually you're, you're going to miss some players because they're going to see that opportunity is not going to be there right away. Yeah, I mean, dynasties don't last forever anyways. I mean, there's going to there's gonna be a turning point somehow, some way, someday. I wasn't trying to rhyme there, but I ended up doing it. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I see nothing wrong with, uh, you know, of course the NCAA is, oh, well, we can't, we can't, you know, let these kids act like they have rights and can receive things. No, my God, the, the school president needs three new Porsches. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, a kid who's trying to get an education who can't afford a computer, you know, the school's making $300 million a year off the football team, getting, going to Best Buy and spending a couple grand and getting him a MacBook or something or a nice PC so he can sit in his, you know, dorm room at night and do his schoolwork when he's not, you know, putting his body through the ringer to make the school money. I mean, it's, it's, I'm fine with you know, I don't think it should be a matter of going out individually signing these guys to contracts to play college. I, I get that, but there needs to be some kind of percentage, legitimate percentage breakdown, where they can capitalize and they can monetize on this. What if you you know if you're a top recruit and you're making a couple thousand dollars a month, uh, and you know you 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 know you're you you're on scholarship, and you know you blow your knee out. Well then, you know you're not you're not finishing school and going into the real world with with nothing saved up. You're not totally screwed. Whereas right now, if they can't use these kids, it's kind of like okay, well next, and there's no benefit for them, and that's not fair. And, and think of it this way, Chris, and it, and it just clicked in my head because I'm thinking I'm trying to think back the uh, moments in in college football history, big moments. Vince Young's uh, touchdown run to put. Texas ahead against, I believe it was USC. Yep, I remember that very well. I believe well. it was yep. uh, the Rose Bowl for the and and for the national championship. Yes, it was. Think of that right now. It's a moment in history. You can go on YouTube and see it. Right. If if NFTs existed at that point, and Vince Young could have taken that moment. And put it on an NFT and said, this is my NFT. Um, I own it and you can buy a piece of it. You can whatever. I, I don't fully understand NFTs. No, I don't moment. either. <laughs> I don't either. But I know you can take those moments and it's a digital copy. It's like a digital trading card, essentially. 
and and he could profit off that. And someone like Vince Young kind of needs that right now because he kind of flamed out in the pros. He lasted for a, a few years, but he never saw that second contract. Those are the moments I think of is like he could have profited off of that. And there's two players, and not not to get onto the pros, but there's two players right now who are are going all in on NFTs. That's Quiddy Pay, former Michigan player, uh, drafted by I think the I don't remember who they got drafted by. Colts, I think. I don't remember. Quiddy Pay. Oh man, I can't either. Yeah. Um, and Tom Brady. Well, no surprise there. Brady's <laughs> right, right, a ma- right. uh, master marketer. If he can make money off himself, he does that. And I think, first off, Quiddy Pay, who is a, a rookie this year, is is investing. Colts. You were correct. Colts. Okay, good. I thought it was Colts, but I wasn't sure. Um, but him kind of starting that in the beginning of his career is a great move. Yep. Obviously, totally. Tom Brady doing it at the end of his career, but he'll think tom's going a little different like he's going to build a, a foundation around nfts and and if tom's going in on it it might be something people want to look into oh you know mahomes can't be far behind guys like lamar oh, jackson yeah. guys who create exciting moments where it's like you can own that moment collectors are going nuts for that right and that's and that's kind of the essential of what i'm getting at is these kids now once the 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 doors are open they're going to be able to have that national championship moment like Trevor Lawrence did. I think he connected with Hunter Renfro two, three years ago. That's the kind of moment you're looking at. Uh, you know, Reggie Bush having his moments way back long ago. It was like, uh, and I'll give one that, that if it came on the market, I would go all in. Charles Woodson, one-handed pickoff of Ohio State. To win the game, to launch them into the Rose Bowl. If that was an NFT, I would I would be on it, all in on it. And here's the thing: I I almost think college level NFTs to any extent with big moments would even be more valuable than the lower end NFL ones because yes. you're going to have people who are alumni of those schools or fans of those schools who are going to want those moments, even if the player kind of flames out, which obviously Charles Woodson didn't. Right. But even if the player you know flames out, that moment is still going to be etched in history. And those so, moments, great going to be are going to be few. If yes. you think of it, yep. Because at the most, I mean, with few outliers, at the most, a player has four years, and nowadays it's like two or three. Because you know you're redshirting one year, and then maybe you play for three years. Uh, rarely do you play four years, and then someone like Trevor Lawrence who played you know as a true freshman all the way through his junior year. So you had three years for one player to make an impact and it'll have like one or two moments and those moments could live on and be very, very pricey and could help those players in the immediate. Right. And in the future. And I don't know a ton. I'd like to learn more because not necessarily because I want to buy any, but because they're rather expensive. They can be. But one thing I do know about NFTs is, you know, there, there are certain situations where there's big moments where, I know it's done with like, uh, it's kind of like crypto. It's done like blockchain and stuff yeah. like that. It's all virtual. So like they can, you have, everything comes with a code and only that, that code is only good for what you actually purchase. So like, what would a Patriots fan pl- pay for that shot of Julian Edelman catching that ball against the Falcons? 
that moment when the a ball lot, is half an inch from the ground to know that you own the rights to that NFT. If there was only one, there'd be a lot of money. What would a Giants fan pay for the David Tyree catch, the NFT of that? I mean, even if you make 10 of them, you're going to make quite a bit of money. I mean, in college, I mean, you, you know a lot better college moments than I would yeah. as far as big moments. But, yeah, like the Vince Young moment, all these things. And you could even have lesser moments for fans who, you know, still want to participate, but they don't have, you know, they don't have six figures to drop on a freaking right. picture. You know, you could have, oh, this is a, a nice catch in this game. You now own this moment. You know, and I mean, it, it it's it's smart, and it's something that these kids can't capitalize on now because I bet you anything, if the NCAA could, NCAA could, they would. And they'd make the money on the kids' behalf, and they sure as I wouldn't see any of it if they didn't have to give it to them. So I'm really hoping this is a... I really believe it is also a step in the right direction of let's take a little bit more care of these young men and women who come in for any sport, not just football, uh, and participate and use their skills to, yeah, get an education, but to also make the school quite a bit of money. And they should be compensated for that in some fashion. Yeah, and I think um, to kind of wrap it up, Chris, uh, if, if, because there was governors, senators, I, I gotta give credit when credit is due. Uh, help, uh, trying to trying to help players, because you know players been outspoken about this for years and years and years, and and you got analysts, uh, you got a lot of people pressing one organization to do to to make this happen. And they kept dragging their feet for years and years and years. And it took legislation to kind of say, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll look into this. No, 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 no. <laughs> you no, want to no, find no, out no. a funnel money talk to the pros. <laughs> no, we're not going to let you think about it. It's going to happen. You need to catch up. And I, what scares me is as these NFTs, you know, start to become more and more understood and, it scares me to think that if the players weren't able to get this started, um, how much money the schools and the NCA could make off of stuff like this, where they could own oh, hundreds, the hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions, if not more. Own the rights. And, and it just, it frightens me to think that they could just make hand over fist uh, amount of money on these players continuously and they would get no part of it because, oh, you don't own the rights to the team logo, so therefore you can't make the money. It, 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 it's a great, it's a great move for uh, legislation, the courts, uh, which I don't say a lot. No, but I agree with you. Yeah, we were, uh, yeah. It's no. a great move. It's a great move, and and I'm hoping that it continues down the right path, and these players start to can make a living because they're not because first off they're not guaranteed a spot in the nfl no um and if they don't get in the nfl they don't get and i know they're they've made it uh, made moves and advancements um in uh post player uh health care uh in the nfl i understand it's been crappy before but it's made they made progress but if you never made it to the nfl you're not going to get those those luxuries and Let's be honest. It's a collision sport. Things break. 
and you're going to have doctor's bills probably till the till till you retire i think this is stuck this kind of stuff can help people kind of mitigate some of the medical costs that happen down the road and and provide them an opportunity to right yep live all right well from going and heading in the right direction with the ncaa's uh the courts ruling against the ncaa to the wrong direction or should i say the rob direction uh manfred's at it again like we said a couple weeks ago uh, just his, his relentless assault on common sense continues. He, you know, we had, we had a story, I believe it was two weeks, maybe it was even last week yeah. about, uh, there's so much man for nonsense. It, it all, it, it blurs. It, it's, I get, I get man. Well, it came to a head the other night. I get man for PTSD. Uh, I'm sure Max Scherzer does as well. <laughs> um, where, you know, he's going to start having the umpires stop and check for substances and this and that. So it's something that's always happened. And like it or not, because I know everybody wants to think every player is just good and they're all pure as a driven snow and everything's always on the up and up. Right. Okay, well, that's fine. You can live in fantasy land if you want to. When you want to join us in the real world, push play and keep listening. Um, You know... So now they're doing these checks during games. So now a manager can request a check of a pitcher. So, of course, Joe Girardi, who's always known for being a rational human being, uh, the other day, he's manager of the Phillies. Scherzer, he had he had umpires check. One of the great pitchers of our generation, Max Scherzer. Yeah. They found nothing. Nothing on him at all. They did their checks. So then the next inning, Scherzer strikes somebody out on the Phillies. So he calls for another check. So we have to stop the game again. So what is the biggest complaint with major league baseball? Uh, Time. Time. Games take too damn long. And it's all stuff like this. It's all this idiotic stuff that's added in. You used to be able to go to a ballpark, get in and out in three hours. You saw a game, you were happy. Woohoo. You got some hot dogs. You overpaid for some popcorn. Cool. It's a four to six hour ordeal now before they even did this. And that's not even talking if it's extra innings. Or if you're at a Red Sox Yankee game, my God, with all the pitching changes. Although they've they've, you know, kind of quelled that a little bit, but so just when people are coming back to the stands, just when people are excited for live sports, excited to be out again. Or where, you know, people people are happy that all this all these restrictions you're dropping and we can have full stadiums and everything's good. What does Manfred do? No, no, no. Let's put a, let's just nix that. Let's put a nail in that coffin and let's find a way to slow this thing down again. I, you know, it, it, not only that, but it's, it, it, it's everything you did as far as speeding it up by, by, okay, a pitcher has to face this many batters and this will speed the game up a little bit before you can change them out again. That was just undone. That was, you just took that out. You just completely canceled that anytime you save there and added more time to it because now you can have a manager sit there and go, oh, I want him checked. I want him checked. I want him checked. And they found nothing. And Scherzer lost his cool, and I don't blame him for half a second. Thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, apparently Manfred said that Scherzer getting upset, calling out the, Nash, uh, the, calling out the Phillies, and Girardi, who is a world-class tough guy when he's standing behind everybody, uh, you know, you saw him when Scherzer pointed at him and, and the Nationals coach pointed at him and uh, he went running up the stairs 
And the minute there's nobody standing in front of him, he was like, oh, maybe I should stop walking now. Uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was classic little man syndrome. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's slowing down the game. And, and this is with so many exciting young stars, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, Wander Franco just got called up, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, you know, um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Apparently anybody with Jr. in their name is just going to be awesome. Right. Um, but, I mean, you get so many exciting. I don't know. I'm forgetting some. But, I mean, so many exciting young players. And, you know, in Boston, guys like Xander Bogarts and, and Devers. And it, it, this should be a time. I was so enthusiastic when they brought Theo Epstein into the MLB offices because I thought this guy is going to be able to make a change and just use common sense. And Manfred's like, we'll have none of that here. We're not, we're not, we're not going to speed this thing up. We're not, we're going to find whatever we can to screw with these unwritten rules, to pretend we don't know how the game was played for decades, centuries. No, not centuries, century plus. And and we're just, I'm just, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that by the time I'm done as commissioner, this thing's a dead fish. So we never, I think, I don't think we ever unpacked exactly what the beginning of this was. Um, when Bubba Harkins, I guess, was a uh, clubhouse manager for the L.A. Angels, um, got fired. Uh, he kind of uh, blew open the doors on the the ring he has going on with this concoction of uh Rosin, liquid pine tar, and Manny Motto grip stick, I guess. And he names a bunch of players. Max is one of them. Garrett Cole's another one. Um, there's a bunch of other ones. It's I, I would say to this, this is kind of like um, not on the same level, but it's kind of in the same context of the steroid era. They knew it was going on. Yep. They were okay with it until someone started yapping. I, actually, we could put on. We could actually put this one on the same level as the Astros cheating scandal. Everyone was okay with it. Everyone until, heard. Everybody heard the whispers. Right, but no one said anything until someone came out. Uh, Michael Fires. So it, it's it's not that they catch people cheating it's that someone comes out and says hey people are cheating and now mlb reacts the other way by saying we're going to stamp this out immediately so as far as what transpired i'll tell you this it's the most attention mlb got in a long time it, twitter was on fire Radio stations were hot on this. I'm sure in Washington it was scorching hot. Um, they probably wanted to take Girardi out and, and, and tar and feather him because... People wanted to do that before this. Never mind yes. now. And I would say this. Um, it sucks if you're an MLB pitcher and you're, you're used to having this. I'm not going to be one of those boo-hoo you're a pitcher, you should be able to pitch with or without whatever. 
if you're used to doing something with the same substance and then all of a sudden they say, oh, you can't use it anymore. It's going to affect you, whether performance-wise or as we saw with um, Tyler Glasnow, uh, you get injured and now you're, I guess it, it's still up in the air, but I'm guessing he's going to have Tommy John. At last I heard he was. So, yeah. Right. And and I think, I believe you brought it up last time. We'll take 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 the batting gloves away from the players. Now, exactly. Some of them, some yep. of them do. Some of them don't wear batting gloves. But then you can't put anything on your hands. You you can't put anything on. We're not going to go into what they put on their hands. Let's, we're we're trying to keep that on the level uh, up and up. But they put some weird stuff on their hands to keep it from um, uh, from hurting too much. But tell all the players, no, 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 no batting gloves. And, no nothing. And, no nothing. No, it's not even use regular gloves. Let's just go out there and catch with their bare hands. So I think. If you just look, this is what you can use. It's it's fair and consistent. This sunscreen, the rosin bag, and, and something else maybe, but you keep it to this, this, and this. Because they always have the rosin bag out there. You obviously have sweat that naturally comes off your body. Pitchers use that. Um, obviously, you can't use spit because that's – a foreign substance, but you can use sweat. So <laughs> not to cut not... you off. Did you see Scherzer after a second check the other day? Did you see the clip of that? Um, yes. The he uh, took his hat off and he checking... rubbed his hair and he held yeah. his hand up to Girardi. Because that, that was that amazing, is, right? Because that is um, that's that's hygienic. Yep. In in the era we're living in, we're gonna do that. Um, I think I think if you you can just across the board, you can say to everyone, you can use this, this, and this. Because honestly, I'm not a pitcher. Uh, I haven't pitched in forever. And when I mean forever, I mean forever. God, look at this as a family show. There's so many jokes that you're leaving me <laughs> wide open for, dude. My mom listens to this show. Otherwise, yeah, it'd be. Anyway, anyway, Chris. Um, but I can sympathize with them if they're used to having some sort of tackiness, especially on a sweaty night where they can't grip or a cold night yep. for. Players who have feelness issues, apparently David Price has issues when it's cold. You know, to get some tackiness on your hand, to get it so you can grip properly. And I, I know it's a an argument made by pitchers, and, and it's not totally out, out of left field, but these guys throw 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. If I'm a batter... I would rather the play, the pitcher be able to grip the ball properly than to not be able to grip the ball properly. Exactly. And, and you're endangering them an too, right. Is not coming uh, up and tight. It's actually going to come up and into my head. We're going to let this guy drive this car 100 miles an hour. Go ahead and play Frogger across that crosswalk. By the way, he's blindfolded. Go. Yeah, no. I'm I know it's a different do- context, but it's like... And again, the, batting gloves are for grips for the batters. And obviously, I was kidding about the baseball glove thing. Right. That's a little hyperbolic. But yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff throughout the game to help people. And like you said, give people limitations. Hey, you can use this, this, and this. Yeah. Hey, you want to combine them? Combine them. That's fine. No big deal. I'll tell you what. I can probably throw a ball maybe 60 miles an hour. <laughs> maybe. Uh, 
if I go and I put some pine tar on my fingers and I rub it together and put some scrunch screen, I'm not all of a sudden going to be able to throw a Max Scherzer fastball. It doesn't happen that way. You still need the oh. skills. People want to sit there and play high and mighty, like you said, with the steroid era. Oh, Barry Bonds did this. Oh, Roger Clemens did this. Okay. Well, uh, uh, if I start, you know, if I start juicing, even if I'm working out every day, I might look like a house, but I'm not going to be able to hit a fastball the way Barry Bonds could. The skill still has to be there. You still got to put the work in. I, I don't get it. I understand if it's narcotics or a substance that is like, you know, physically altering your mental state. Physically altering mental state. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. But, so, do the, so does the audience. So does everybody. Uh, yeah. We're, we're all adults here. And, and if you're a kid, you don't need to know anything about that yet. You're, you're until you grow up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you're not doing something more illicit. It's HGH. All right. You don't like it. You don't have to take it. I'm going to take it. And if they don't find out, I'm going to get a hundred million dollar contract. My family's going to be set for life and I'm going to be awesome. Deal with it. <laughs> like, I mean, if you already have the skill, it's going to help you heal better. Why would you not do it? But no. Everyone's got to get in their soapbox the minute, the minute it's in the public eye. The minute it's in the public eye, all of a sudden it's a problem. It could happen for 20 years beforehand. You could have Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa save your game after the strike. Right. But the minute that people don't like it, all of a sudden you throw them under the bus and they're ostracized. It's complete nonsense. Complete nonsense. And, and we pointed this out last time is that um, um, the pitcher, Michael Pineda got got – suspended because he had pine tar on his neck and it was obvious right you had an opportunity then to say okay mm -hmm. what should we do what how should we, we should sit down with the union and say okay we need to do something but we need to make sure the pitchers are safe because if they're used to using a, a, a substance and if you're telling us from the pitchers they need something to get that extra grip just to make sure that they can pitch properly then let's come to an agreement on something otherwise what are we doing here we're we're just going to sweep it under the rug until someone like bubba harkin comes out and says hey i've been doing this for years i've been giving these this concoction to all these players for years he he names Edwin Jackson, who hasn't pitched for a few years and had pitched before that for many, many years. So you can tell with varied with varied results, by the way, too. Right. It's it's not a guarantee, but as I've heard, the spin rate is down significantly for a lot of pitchers throughout MLB because of this uh, no substance being allowed mm -hmm. being used. All I'm saying is just just dictate. You can use this, this, and this. It's just like it's just like with with any performance enhancing drugs, anything at all. You just say, okay, you can't use these. These are masking considered masking agents, and you need to document everything. And if there's any questions about any substance, you need to submit it with MLB front office so they can review it and let you know that it is or is not acceptable. Right. You can do the same thing here. You can just say, hey, use the bullfrog uh, uh, sunscreen. Use the spider tack. Uh, if they want to say, you know what, this concoction that, that this guy makes, we're going we're gonna to analyze it and say if this is good or not, if it's, if it's legal, if it's safe. If you can use it, okay, 
then we're going to say this this item can be used and go forward but don't this is the problem with mlb is they're just they don't they don't think is all i can say they don't think i love the game of baseball it's my first sports love um i'm more into football now because of what they've done to kind of slow the game down and it's pretty pretty ridiculous uh, but I, make it worse. I, oh yeah, I still love baseball. Rob Manfred is terrible, and he is ruining the game, ruining the game. And I just hope people around him are smart enough, and these owners are smart enough to say, "Okay, we can't keep let's guy keep doing this. We got to do something because this is nuts. This is this is getting absurd now." But all right, uh, before we get into our last topic. Uh, I know we said a couple weeks ago we were going to discuss division leaders quickly. Yeah. So what I'm going to do, we're not going to get too, too far into it because, you know, we'll probably do something about it after something related to this after the all-star break where we actually get into it a little bit deeper. But I want to just run down division division leaders with you currently. Yeah. We're not going to get in a wild card or nothing. Division leaders. And, and we're just going to say if we think this team is going to end up going all the way, winning the division, or if not, who will by the time the season's over with. So we're going to start in the NL. Uh, we're going to start in the NL West. Right now, the Giants have a four-game lead. Four, Yeah, over the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, and the Padres are about four and a half back. Uh, and then after that, the Rockies are way down. Uh, who do we think walks with this division? Do the Giants and the seemingly reignited Buster Posey take this? Or do the Dodgers and their $800 million roster come back and go for the repeat me either padres tatis That's comes exciting. back yeah yeah he comes back fully healthy and they're gonna make a move they're gonna they're gonna see they need a little bit more now i'll be honest i haven't watched a whole lot of baseball i'm trying to get more trying to etch out time to get a little bit more knowledge on what's going on right now but i'll say this they don't have the bullpen that they need to to take them to the World Series, and there's going to be opportunities to cash in on a clutch closer. And there's plenty of teams that look like crap right now. Uh, I believe, if I'm not if I'm not correct, uh, you can correct me, Chris. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher is he still? Vasquez, is he still with that team or not? I don't actually know. Honestly, I'm more of an AL guy. I'm not exactly positive. Okay. But, um, but you yeah. get the idea I'm looking yeah. at. I'm looking at a, yep. a, a closer with some years left on him because I think that's what they're going to need to to rein in the, the Giants and, and more, more specifically the Dodgers. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about the Giants. I know my my, my – my younger brother put on uh, Facebook yesterday that he's apparently abandoning the Phillies for the rest of the season and jumping mm. on the the, uh, uh, the Shame. San Francisco Shame. Giants bandwagon. Shame. I'm like, I wanted to react. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't jump on a bandwagon. Come on, man. I, man, I, I just stick with my team. You can pick your team and then like root for a team in the playoffs if your team's not. Be like, oh, it'd be cool to see that team win if my team can't. But man, already it's not even the All Star break, Tim. Come on, dude. But uh, I think I think 
because Tat- I know Tatis is is coming back or he's he's already back. Um, and he's a big part of that. Kid team. is so good. I, he's so he is, good. <laughs> uh, but I think I think it's gonna be the Padres are gonna pull this one out. I'd have to agree. Um, the Dodgers seem. I mean, they 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 their record's fine, but. I don't know if all the star power they have there is meshing the way they were hoping it would. Um, it did last year during a shortened season. We'll see what happens the rest of the way. But, yeah, the Padres, 100% agree with all the stars they already have. Uh, young stars, but stars. And all the up-and-coming prospects. Man, they can put it together. They can go on a hell of a run. All right. NL Central. Right now, believe it or not, the Brewers are in first place, followed by the Cubs half game back. Uh, and the... Reds and Cardinals are a few more games back, but even the Cardinals at, at fourth place are six and a half back, certainly not out of reach. The Pirates um, are doing, unfortunately for Pirates fans, what they've done for quite some time. That's bringing up the rear. They're 14 and a half back. Obviously, they're not out of it, but I don't know if they have the talent to get back in it. Um, do you think the Brewers... Stay in in first and take this division, or you think someone comes from behind? Well, uh, I look at that. Uh, what I'm looking at, Chris, is is the runs scored is my concern. Um, Milwaukee has scored the least amount of runs out of the three of them. At some point, that catches up with you. It does catch up, and and you know they have a you know the the. And the Cincinnati Reds have a very high run against. And I mean, when I mean high, I mean it's like they're worse than the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now that could be, uh, it could have been a few games where they got blown out. But right. I, I think looking at this, I would say I think Milwaukee would hold it more than Cincinnati would be able to green, gain ground, only because of what just happened with the. Foreign substance. It's diminishing the abilities of the pitchers. And if you're Cincinnati and you're already giving up a, a crazy amount of runs as it is, it's just going to get worse. And Milwaukee, I think, can infuse some offense. And I'm pretty sure uh, I've seen enough uh, alerts that says Christian Yelich hasn't been playing, that I don't know if he's been playing the whole season. Again, I got to get a little bit more into this uh, around the all, all-star break, but I think, I'm think i thinking Milwaukee's going to pull this one out. I don't know, man. I'm thinking the Cubs. I'm thinking the Cubs. Um, I don't know why, honestly. Like I said, I haven't really watched a lot of the National League teams play, but I really think – I don't know. It's just – Putting it together the way they need to. I mean, the Cardinals always could, but you know they made some like key acquisitions in the offseason. But uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the if the if the Brewers have the right the right parts. And like you said, uh, if Yelich is up and down, I know last year he didn't exactly have a great year. Um, you know, I know he won the he won the MVP two years ago, didn't he? Yes. I think, or he came damn close. He was a final a finalist, but. I don't know if they have enough. Um, you know, it's always cool seeing a team that's, you know, quote, small market like Milwaukee able to put something together. So I'm certainly not rooting against them, but I think they'd definitely be a wild card team. But I think Cubs take that division. And you're right about the Reds. They give up way too many runs 
And it's just going to get worse. Without Trevor Bauer, with a good <laughs> ERA, I mean, if they had him now, it would be a different story. A guy who could stop it every five days. But if, they they were, if, they, so. if he was there, they would probably be leading right now. Yeah. AL East. We have the Mets in first place. I got my contact lenses in, so I'm not exactly seeing small numbers. Great. It looks like the Nationals are four games back. The Braves yep. are five. Oh, even the Marlins in fifth place are nine games back. So, I mean, it's not ideal, but it's not certainly not out of it. That entire division could be up for grabs. Uh, I think the Braves are going to come back and take this. I think the Mets, Jacob DeGrom is on another planet right now. That guy has an ERA of .5. It's absurd. Yeah. He's the best pitcher right now on the planet. Um, <laughs> he's absurd. I mean, you have just have to think he can't keep it up forever. I probably have a great year. I'm not rooting against the guy again. I love seeing great players perform at a high level, even if they're not on my team. But really so hard to maintain that as a starting pitcher. you got to think at some point he's going to have a game where he gives up eight runs or something and that throws it out of whack. But – Maybe not, but I think, you know, it's going to come down to the Mets and Braves kind of like the late 90s, and it's going to be a fun race. But I got it's got a sneaking feeling. It's a tough one. You know, the more I sit here and talk about the Mets, I'm, I'm thinking maybe it is their year. But uh, oof. I don't know. Those three teams at the top are so good that it, it, it's – Absurd, and I mean, even the Phillies and Marlins have some really good young talent, despite the fact they're not exactly where they want to be in the standings. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, uh, put a gun to my head right now. Uh, I'm going to say the Braves. I, I think it's the Braves, and, and it's it's because they have the offensive talent. They've, they've been putting it together for years, and it's the same thing we talked about last year and the year before. It's the starting pitching, and we thought they corrected it this offseason – and they still need some more support. And I think they're in a position to go out to another team and say, okay, you have a stud starting pitcher that wants to get traded. And we're, I'm talking about, you know, just, this is just the framework of kind of player. I'm talking about Chris, not specifically him, but like Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez right. would be the kind of guy I'm looking at. Young pitcher, talent, still has upside that, might be on the move because the team can't resign them. And I think that's the kind of player the Braves need to drag to Atlanta and put on the front end of their, of their rotation. And he'll drive, drive them to a, a division win because it's great what Jacob DeBrom's doing. But if they can't score enough runs, right? come playoff time, come to September, where it might come down to a few games, they're going to need some production from their position players, and it's not looking great. They have a great run at, run against, but they have a, an abysmal run scored. And like we just discussed with Milwaukee, it might come up and it might catch up to them. And I just don't – I don't know if they can go out and get – spend enough in – from the farm system to trade – to get somebody because they can't really sacrifice in the starting pitcher department. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Noah Syndergaard is on the shelf, correct? 
I believe so, yes. Yeah, he's on the shelf, and they're looking at uh, Marcus Stroman as their number two, and Tywin Walker trying to resurrect his career as their third. And I just, like you said, Jacob DeGrom is having a great season. He oh, has, he's not a young winner right now. I mean, he's right. easily like. But if he has a, a, even if he has a bump in the road in July or August for a few starts, that's going to put, that's going to put the Mets behind because it's so tight. Mm-hmm. And you're relying on one starting pitcher to go out there every fifth day and try to get you a guaranteed win in a division where the Miami Marlins are nine games behind. And that's a I'm- lot. I'm thinking late 90s Red Sox with Pedro Martinez. Right. As good as he was every fifth day, when it came down to playoff time, you're going to win one game (laughs) by a couple of runs when he pitches, and then you're hoping your offense shows up so you can win one ten to 8. Yeah. And King Felix in his multiple years in Seattle, uh, just mowing people down and, and, and winning close games and losing close games. And he won one year with 12 wins for yeah. Cy Young, but he had such a low ERA, you couldn't you couldn't say no to that. But it's like, and now look at his career; he's pretty much done. And yeah, no playoff. I don't think he had a playoff victory at all. So I, I just think, unless they can make a move to support Francisco Lindor, I just don't see how the Mets can sustain this. It's a tightrope they're walking right now. All right. Under the American League, we have the Trash Can Kings atop the AO West. Uh, that's the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros. Yep. Uh, the A's are, looks like, three games back. The Mariners are eight games back. And then we get into the Angels and Rangers, who are 10 plus. Uh, do we think the Astros hold on? Or can we see either the Mariners or A's sneaking up and, and taking this in the second half? So this is the Billy Beanless A's, correct? He yeah. Is I said with Billy Bean, with Moneyball, with you know the ability to make something out of nothing, I'd say three games back, Oakland all day. That's right where they want to be right. <laughs> about this time. Without Billy Bean, uh, I don't know. It, it's tricky because he just you know he pulled that John Lester deal out of nowhere. And John Lester essentially got them into the playoffs. I, I don't know if this front office has the ability to make those kind of moves. And Houston has the talent. We're not going to deny the talent. Um, and I just uh, – the rest of the division, L.A. is still figuring – L.A. is still figuring. The, L.A. has the most talented player in baseball, and they can't get to the playoffs. And Texas is clearly still trying to rebuild. And I just don't have faith in Seattle. So I think this one's just check the box for Houston. It may come down to the last two weeks of the season, but I think the talent of Houston, because I just don't know what the front office is going to do. Are they going to be able to make that one move that Billy could make? Well, look, he's still with the team. But he's not. I don't but he's not. He's not, he's not. He's not in the same role, though. I mean, he's still there as an advisor. I think. I don't know what his actual role is. Maybe he's still a GM. I don't think he is. But it, it's um, just you just look at it, and, and, and if if it was Billy Bean calling the shots, you say one and a half games. Yeah. All right. 
he's going to know what his team is. Right, right, right. And if he starts selling off pieces, then he knows he doesn't have – his team is fragile, and, and he's going to sell off pieces for the next year. And if he makes those moves to bring in players, then you know he's making that push. And I think he would make that push, but I don't know – the power structure. I don't know if this, the guy that's running the team, is he able to make those hard decisions to trade player X for player Y or player X for yeah. players Y and Z. And I, I just, Houston has too much talent. Yeah. I, I got to go Houston too. And j- just to be very clear, the whole reason I started off by saying, Oh, if it was still Billy being there, there with the A's. And then I, I corrected Ben and said, Oh, he's still there. The whole reason that matters and makes a difference is because think about this, like you have a great assistant coach who's an awesome defensive coordinator. Like Matt Patricia was a really good defensive coordinator with the Patriots. Was the offensive coordinator. Oh, he's defense, right? Yeah, he was defense. Well, brain fart. I can't even think right now. Um, Defensive coordinator. Went to Detroit to be head coach. Let's just say he didn't do well. And he wasn't very well liked either. But he's a great defensive coordinator in New England. Because you could focus on that one thing. So you might say, well, Billy Bean's still there. Why won't that move happen? Well, when he was with the A's as the GM, and he was all in, and we're in the money ball days, and like Ben said, he's focused on every aspect of the team. He built it from the ground up. He knows the strengths and weaknesses of all his players coming and going. You can make those moves and fill in, and fill in blanks and spaces that need your help. When you're there, but it's not your job to know all that stuff, and then you have other responsibilities, you only have so many hours in the day, so you're not focused on all those things anymore. So while Billy Bean is still in the A's organization, he's not the dude just standing there putting the team together from the ground up anymore. He may have a say in that, but it's not just him. So that's why it kind of changes. I wanna I want to be talking on both sides of my mouth there, so yeah. I want to explain that. I um okay the al central we have the white Sox on top not not much of a shock there to me uh the indians uh, for this year at least 2.5 games back 2.5 two and a half uh the royals are 10 and a half so it starts really dropping off after the first two teams i the indians have some talent um this is what happens when you have talent, but you've also traded away an immense amount of talent in the last couple seasons as you look at it and go, man, if we had those players, where would we be right now? I think it's the White Sox, even with Tony Larusa causing problems left and right, it seems. Um, I I don't I don't see any way they don't walk away with this division. I don't see any way they don't run away with it. I think they're going to win this division by eight or nine games, honestly. Yeah, um, just looking at what they got going on. They have issues at the starting pitching with three starters on the shelf right now. Uh, that's the Cleveland Indians. So I, I think I think it's the Chicago White Sox. Um, but I agree with you. It's it's possible it can implode. Um, I think we had concerns going into the season with Tony Larusa. La yeah, and I didn't think it was the right fit. No, I thought it was. Just someone who is too old school and out of the managerial spot for years and years and years. Yep. And I just don't see how they can he can translate with the the newer players. But maybe it'll work out. 
but boy. I think well, just based on the pure talent of the players. I mean, look at Giolito had a couple of rough starts in the beginning of the season, but he's he's a stud. Uh, Rodon has been masterful so far this season, right? Uh, and I mean, they have um, uh, Liam Hendricks <laughs> at closer was some of the best, well, some of the most well spent money of the off season. Uh, not to mention Jose Abreu, and I mean, this is even without guys like Luis Robert, who are, you know, injured right now. I mean, they have talent that's not even able to <laughs> participate in this, and they still have a lead, and they have guys killing it. So, White Sox are not only, I think, going to win it this year, but they're going to be a team to reckon with for quite some time. All right. Now I get to be called a homer. AL East. Uh, surprising to me, based on a lack of moves in the offseason, although they did make a couple, which apparently were some really good role players, which are really contributing well right now. Uh, the Red Sox are in first. Half game up on the Rays, three game, four games up on the Yankees, six on the Jays, and the Orioles are already in um, 2022 spring training mode at 21 games back. Oh. So, Talk about bottom feeder. Yeah, I'm uh, look. I'm gonna call the homer here. The Rays with Tyler Glass now perhaps had a chance. They're gonna be competitive still. Losing their ace really hurts. They don't have Blake Snell mm. anymore. That right. sucks. The Yankees have, uh, I mean, Garrett Cole is tremendous, and you know Soriano, Soriano. <laughs> <laughs> their closer named Chapman. I've been going through a bunch of old baseball cards, and I had about 50 Alfonso Soriano. I remember when he was supposed to be the next Derek Jeter. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they have some really good players, but, I mean, you have people banged up in and on the lineup. Okay, I don't know. They don't seem to be – they seem to be like the Dodgers of the American League. Like They have all this talent, but it doesn't seem to mesh the way they would hope it would. And look – Let's be real. The Red Sox, the pitching has been a surprise when it's been good because we didn't think it'd be great. It's been a pleasant surprise. And a lot of times when a team is competitive, they say, oh, who are they going to trade for? What are they going to do? They might have a big, big, big help on the way and not have to move a single person. Because Chris Sale's been throwing. And supposedly he's going to be, you know, he's still a little ways away. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Right. He says he's coming back this year. Says he feels great. He hasn't had any issues besides, you know, obviously some soreness after pitching, but that's, you know, it hasn't been years since he's thrown the ball, so obviously everything's looking good. If you can get top form Chris Sale back at the top of this pitching staff, oh, and by the way, he's not exhausted from pitching all year to this point. Although the fact he'd be fatigued from not pitching will kind of cancel that out. But still, you get top form Chris Sale with this offense and the rest of this pitching staff can even perform mostly like they have to this point, the Red Sox have a real chance to win this division. And that's something I did not think I would say going into spring training. I just, I just look at their starting rotation and just, I know they've been outperforming and then came the, uh, no more foreign substance, and they were having troubles uh, getting the ball across the plate without it getting smacked. So far, this rotation's been the Eli Manning of baseball rotations. Like, you're not really sure how it works, but it's working. Uh, so I'll say 
Just out of attrition, it looks like the Red Sox have more bodies to throw out there that are talented than than other teams. I think that's the... Well, it is the essence of winning games, isn't no, it? But I, I mean, I welcome think, to professional sports. I think that's the, the one way I think that the Red Sox will pull it's this a real off. John I, Madden I, answer. I, I, just, I know. This team I, who wins this game is going to be the one that scores the most points. Well, I just look at their roster, and it's like if, if Tampa Bay had Tyler Glasnow all season. Right, right. Even and if they had Blake Snell and it, still. And if they had Blake Snell still. Or if the Yankees were rolling out the Yankees rotation that they sh- were boasting that they had, I would think the Red Sox would be not in the basement, but they would be fighting with the Toronto Blue Jays. But because the Blue Jays are still, they're still not, they're still new. They're still young. They still have to, a ways to go. They can't, you can't just say, oh, they have a bunch of legacy players who are really, really talented, yeah. but they haven't quite put it all together. I just think the the Rays and the Yankees, they just might, it might just be attrition with them that they're just not enough there. And the Red Sox might be able to pull it off because of Bloom put together a roster that top to bottom has a lot of major league talent. Didn't we say we would take that in the offseason? We said we would take that like they did, you know, 03, 04 when they really – I mean, yeah, they brought in Curtis Schilling. But they brought in a lot of guys. Remember when the Doug Mankiewicz trade, when they traded Nomer, I was like, Doug Mankiewicz and Orlando Cabrera? and These are guys you're bringing in? Really? Two of the most clutch players in the playoffs for the Red Sox. I mean, it's it's – Adding pieces where you need pieces. And I mean, uh, you know, Kiki Hernandez, or, or, uh, excuse me, signing. People were not too excited about that. And yeah, he's not lighting the world on fire, but he's been a solid player for him. And if you can have solid role players stepping in and play well when they get a chance to play, that that's how you win championships. And I'm not saying, look, I don't know if this team comes up against the White Sox in the playoffs, if the Red Sox are beating the White Sox, even in a short series, even with Chris Sale, because they got Giolito and Rodon to throw at the Sox. But, I mean, you never know. This is a team that can compete, and if you can get in the playoffs and you got a good couple arms, anything can happen. So it's exciting, at least. It's not the dull, oh, cool, wait for next year again, like it has been the last couple seasons. Chris, I would actually correlate it more towards the 13 Sox, where you just had a bunch of I think it was 13. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Or 04, 07. 13, yeah. Thir- 13, yeah. Thir- thir- the 13 team is the one I'm looking at is because they did all the, a lot of their work in the offseason, and they brought a bunch of guys in, and it's like, no, none of these guys are really appealing, but it worked. Right. They, they put it together, it worked, and they complemented each other. Obviously, they added pieces. Um during the the season but i'm not saying and i'm not like i'm not saying they're gonna pull it off but i'm just saying it's like they put the roster together top to bottom plus they have some guys in uh minor league that maybe could um assist the team but it's just do they have enough is my question and i think they might just have enough but that's because of the injury to tyler Laz now and the fact that the yankees can't put that put that 
roster, that rotation up that they wanted to put up. And you never know. You could have an ace starting pitcher coming back too, middle of the season, or maybe a little bit after that for a playoff run. So that that certainly never hurts. All right. Last topic of the day. I love this story. Not a surprise, but Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are apparently in contract negotiations for what has been said to be a assumed mega deal. Uh, it's really no surprise if he does sign an extension. It's probably going to be very, he'll be paid handsomely. The fun part about this is he doesn't have a sports agent. He's representing himself, and his mother is his business manager. I love that. Legit. I'm not even making fun of it. I think that's great. Uh, as somebody myself who who has a mother who has always been supportive and I know I can trust, I'd do the same damn thing if I were him because you know that person's not going to screw you over. So I think it's a great move. I think it's awesome. Um, and I, I, I'm not surprised at all. He's been... Gosh, excuse me, a couple games last year he wasn't able to play or he had to leave during the game, and you saw that team is not even remotely the same without Lamar. He, much like Dak, although thankfully for Lamar he didn't suffer the injury that Dak did, you really saw how valuable he is to that team once he left. Like That team runs the way they do because of how that guy plays. So he proved his worth by not being there as opposed to being there. Um, not that he hasn't played well, but... You know, there was people talking like, oh, it's not like he did his MVP season. I don't know. He's a great athlete. Maybe they'll move on. Nope. They want an extension. Not a surprise. Don't be surprised either if right after Lamar, Josh Allen gets his extension because he's the next guy to get a mega deal. And I bet you anything, I almost almost think the Bills are kind of waiting to see what Lamar gets before they toss an offer to Josh Allen. I I think that would be the smart move for the Bills because – you can you can look at what Josh Allen's done and you can say, okay, Josh, you've done what, what Lamar has done, except for Lamar has an MVP. So you're not going to get the same exact contract. And, again, we, we, we mentioned this the same in the same light as we do with, with Russell Wilson, if he wanted a new contract, with Patrick Mahomes. It's like, do you want top of the market? Do you want to put a stranglehold on the roster with a mega contract, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But at some point, we're going to have to say to Stefan Diggs, sorry. Uh, at some point, you're going to you're going to look at the backfield mates you have, and they're going to be rookies again. You know, if Dawson Knox turns into something and he wants a decent contract, they're going to say. Yeah, we can't pay you three years and, and, and $45 million. Sorry, you're going to get to somewhere else. That's the decision Josh Allen's going to have to make. And I'd say the same thing with Lamar Jackson. You know, you guys have to make a decision on how much you want to get. Because that's our cap, as low as it is right now. We know it will go up. But there's always a balance. And you have to realize, I want you to – I. I I'm all for the players getting their money, but you have to understand you're going to put a stranglehold on some position on your team. If you want 35, 40, 45 million a year. And let's take Lamar. For instance, you need to have that uh, offensive line to help protect him. So now you've, you've pigeonholed money for your offensive line. Where is that money going to come from? Wide receiver, 
tight end, defensive back, linebackers. Where's that money going to come? Are you going to right. nickel and dime uh, Justin Tucker at some point and say, yeah, we can't pay you. We can't pay you top of the market for a kicker, even though it's probably an extra $1.5 or $2 million. Yeah, we can't do it. And now that wild card game that you're, you're fighting for, you need your kicker that can nail a 59-yarder. Yeah. Yeah, Justin Justin right. Tucker can do probably in his sleep. Now you're relying on a rookie that maybe doesn't have the nerves. How many kickers do you, you know, are you know? There's so few in the league that are like. I mean, there were a couple of years ago. I remember there was a good seven or eight of them where it's like, oh, that guy's really good. Now there's kind of some turnover at the position, and you're saying you have guys like like Blankenship with the Indies who looks to be as far as his rookie season went, a phenomenal kicker with a bright future. Uh, you know, Justin Tucker, my opinion for my money, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, the best kicker in the NFL right now. One of the few that if you take them off the team, man, like you said, you might say, oh, it's a kicker. We can find another one. Well, there's absolutely no no substitution for being clutch and being able to perform in pressure situations. And yeah, Tucker misses a kick here and there. Every kicker's going to do that. Every quarterback misses an open pass every now and then. Doesn't matter how good you are, it happens. But man, I got to tell you, if you told me I had to drill a 45-yarder in inclement weather and I had to choose one kicker to do it, right now, I mean, all time, in my lifetime I've watched, it'd be Vinatieri. Right. But 1A, or excuse me, 1B, is Justin Tucker. He's that good. So... Good for Lamar. Hope he gets paid. I think it's awesome. Uh, I, I just love the story of he's like, nope, not hiring a, a greedy agent. My mom's going to represent me. I love that. That's cool. Um, maybe the only thing Lamar Jackson and I have in common, certainly not athletic ability, uh, is the fact we have uh, pretty cool moms uh, who we know we can trust. Anything else or you good? I'm all, I'm all set. All right. That's going to wrap up episode 134. Thank you very much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments for Ben and I, on this episode, past episodes, or anything else sports-related. We'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or the website, BCTSpod.com. All right. Now, the download's been a little shaky. You know, we we understand. We get that with, uh, you know, our schedule being a little thrown off. But we're going to... We're going to get that hashed out, and we ask that you please don't don't lose faith in us. We're, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. And, um, you know, if you continue to tell your friends and, and family and spread the word about the show, we greatly appreciate it. And if you feel so inclined, go to where you download your favorite podcast and write a rating and a review. Leave a, leave a rating and write a review. There we go. Words are hard sometimes. On that note, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.